0: My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And I want us to begin the program today by thinking about a passage of Scripture in the New Testament. Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe not. But on one occasion, we read that Jesus went into the temple there in Jerusalem, and he saw that the money changers were cheating people out of money, and they were charging more for the animals that they were selling for sacrifices than they should have been charging. And Jesus was just greatly offended by this. He became angry. And the scripture says that when he got in the temple, he turned those tables over and he ran those money changers out. And then Jesus made a very interesting statement. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Now, that statement has always been interesting to me because there's a lot of other things that Jesus could have Uh, described his house by, by or with. He could have said, for example, my house shall be called a house of praise. I mean, think about it. Praise is so very important. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. And in most of our church services, we spend the first half of the service singing praise songs to God because that's what we should do. We're commanded to do that. The Bible says that we're to enter God's courts with thanksgiving and, and come into his presence with praise. And so we should always be praising God when we come to church. And yet Jesus did not say, my house should be called a house of praise. He said, my house should be called a house of prayer. We might expect or we might have expected for Jesus to have said my house shall be called a house of preaching because preaching is so very important in fact the next time you go to church and you look around the room just be reminded the most important thing in that worship center the most important thing in that sanctuary is the word of God the bible the preacher is not the most important person in the room, but the Word of God is the most important thing in that room, and the Scripture commands us to preach the Word. And so you might would have expected Jesus to have said, my house should be called a house of preaching, because after all, God's Word never returns void. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, we couldn't even get saved without the Bible and somebody explaining it to us. But Jesus did not call his house a house of preaching. He called it a house of prayer. It's interesting, Jesus could have easily said, my house shall be called a house of uh, philanthropic activity. In other words, my house shall be a place where you help meet people's needs, and certainly we're commanded in Scripture to to meet the needs of others, to feed those who are hungry, to clothe those who don't have clothes, to help people who are going through hard times, to uh, pray for sick people to minister to those with special needs. You would have thought maybe Jesus would have said, hey, my house shall be called a house of philanthropic activity, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. Now, why prayer? What is it about prayer? Well, the answer to that question is that prayer is where the power is. In other words, when we pray, we are putting ourselves in touch with God, and God has all power. God is the one who created the world out of nothing, and so we know that if God can uh, create the universe out of absolutely nothing, that he has all power over everything. God is the one who brought Jesus Christ back from the dead. God is the one who has ultimate and total power, and when we pray, We're putting ourselves in touch with God, and that's why Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. And so today, as we think about that and what the importance of prayer is and why Jesus would have chosen to say, My house shall be called a house of prayer, when he could have said, My house shall be called a lot of different things. What is it about prayer that's so important, and why should our churches— My church, your church, all of our churches. Why should our churches be characterized by prayer? I hope this sermon today will be a blessing to you. Seems like to me, when Jesus walked in that temple and turned those money tables, he could have said, hey, my house shall be called a house of preaching because the word of God is the most important thing in the room. But that's not what he said. When Jesus walked in that temple and saw what those people were doing and cheating and ripping off the others, he said, my house shall be called a house of what? Of prayer. Now, here's my question, and here's the whole point of this sermon today. Why did Jesus say that? Why did he say my house should be called a house of prayer? Why not a house of praise? Why not a house of preaching? Why did he say my house should be called a house of prayer? Well, let me mention some reasons. You might want to jot these down. First of all, in order for prayer to be prayer, in order for prayer to be true and genuine and acceptable to God, there must be what I'm calling a spirit. There must be the spirit of prayer. You know, prayer, when we think about prayer, we think about getting down on our knees or maybe folding our hands or bowing our head or closing our eyes and talking to God. We, when we think about prayer, we think about saying words, and that's part of prayer. But there's a whole nother part of prayer that doesn't have to do with our posture or even if we say anything, it has to do with the spirit of prayer. What did Paul say in 1 Thessalonians? Pray without what? Ceasing. He said, pray all the time. Th-. What did Paul mean? Did he mean 24 hours a day all I want you to do is talk to just say words to God. Well no. If that was true we couldn't sleep, we couldn't have jobs, we couldn't deal we couldn't have relationships with our families. When Paul said pray without ceasing, he he was not saying always be saying words to God. What he was saying was you should always be in a spirit of prayer. Now what is a spirit of prayer? Well, a spirit of prayer, first of all, involves being right with God. What did it say in Psalm 66 in verse 18? The psalmist said, if I have sin in my heart, talking about unconfessed sin, God will not hear me when I pray. So if you don't have the spirit of prayer, you could say words to God all day long. God's not even listening because you've got sin between you and God. So part of the spirit of prayer is having a right relationship with God. And part of the spirit of prayer is having a right relationship with each other. I can't be right with God if I'm wrong with you. My heart can't be right with God if my heart's not right with you. That's why Jesus said when you come to church and you give your gift, if there's Anything between you and somebody else. He even said if somebody else is upset with you, lay your gift down. Go try your best to make things right with that other person and then come and offer your gift on the altar. Now, sometimes we know that it's not not possible to make things right. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, if possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Well, he knows sometimes it's not possible, and sometimes it doesn't just depend on you. But what the Bible is saying is do everything you can to make sure that your relationships with other people are right. And even if those relationships themselves don't get right, you make sure your heart is right. You can't always control other people, but you can control your own heart. And so in order for us to be in a spirit of prayer, we have to be right with God. And our hearts have to be right with each other. What am I saying? You can't have anger. You can't have bitterness. You can't have unforgiveness. You can't have hatred. You can't have ill will. You can't have jealousy. You can't have bad feelings towards other people. And have an effective prayer life. The Bible says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But if we're not righteous, with, right with God and right with others, then we're not going to have an effective prayer life. And so one of the reasons Jesus said my house should be called a house of prayer is because he knew that in order for it to be true prayer, we have to be in a spirit of prayer. Our hearts have to be right. Not only that, in order for prayer to be true prayer and real genuine prayer, there has to be surrender in prayer. There has to be surrender in prayer. In my Bible reading, I'm one day ahead. This afternoon, I'm going to be reading Matthew chapter 26, which is where Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane on the night before he was crucified. And you're familiar with that story and how he agonized. And he said, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, this cup of suffering. And finally, in in his prayer to God, Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will will but yours be done. What happened in that garden of Gethsemane? Jesus surrendered his will to the will of the Father. Now think about what I'm saying. In order for prayer to be real, true, genuine prayer, in your heart, you have to surrender your will to God's will. You may be praying and asking God to do something in your life or to open a door for you, or you may be asking God for a thousand different things, but you have to come to a point, and so do I, where we say, God... It's not primarily what I want, it's what you want. It's not primarily my will, it's your will. And so God, I may want this job, I may want that relationship, I may want to go in this direction, but God, if none of those things are your will, i lay my will down. I surrender my will to you, not my will, but yours be done. As I think about Dr. Graham's ministry all these years, certainly one of the blessings that God brought into his life was his wife, Ruth. She went to be with the Lord back in 2007, but they had a wonderful marriage for many, many years, and God blessed them with five children and lots of uh, grandchildren, lots of great-grandchildren. In fact, I heard at one of Dr. Graham's birthday parties that this is a few years ago. He got up to say something. He said, I'm so glad that my children are here today. I'm so glad my grandchildren are here and so glad my great-grandchildren are here. And he had so many. He said, some of my great-grandchildren I I haven't seen in a long time, and some of them I haven't even met yet. And he said, I look forward to meeting you today at the end. And so it's just that big of a family. But you might not know this about Ruth Graham. She was born in China, the daughter of missionaries. And the desire of her heart had always been to go back to China. Her family had eventually come to the United States. She wanted to go back to China and spend her whole life as a missionary. That was what was in her heart. And yet, when she met Billy and they fell in love, she was really torn as to what she should do. History tells us that Billy knew right off the bat that Ruth was the one for him, but it took Ruth a little bit longer, not because she didn't like him, it's that she felt like in her heart that she was not supposed to be married to a a minister like that. She was supposed to stay single, and she was supposed to be a missionary back in China. And so she struggled with that for a long time. And finally, what did she do? She just surrendered her will and she said, God, I thought it was going to be the other way, but you've brought this man into my life. I I think it's, I I just surrender my will to your will. And so she became his wife. And if you followed that family at all, you know, she became a missionary, right? She just had a different audience. She thought she was going to go to China and minister people in China. She raised five children and now they're all in the ministry and they're serving the Lord all the way, all around the world. And so she surrendered her life in all of our lives there has to be that surrender in prayer and then there has to be a season of prayer. In other words after we have gotten right with God and after we have gotten right in our hearts with other people and done everything we can to get right in every way with other people and after we have surrendered our will to God's will and said God it's not about what I want to do it's about what you want to do now we're ready to begin to pray now we're ready for the words now we're ready to call out now we're ready to cry out and now we're ready to enter into a season of prayer where we ask God to work on our behalf. Let me give you two things to jot down. What happens when we enter into a season of prayer? First of all, prayer reveals our dependence on God. See, when we, when, when we pray and, and, and ask God to do something in our lives, what does God do? God works in that situation and God works in, on our behalf. And then prayer puts us in position to experience miracles in our lives. I talked to a friend on the phone earlier this week and she said, John, I wish you would pray for me and my family. My husband needs a job. And this was Monday night on the phone, and I prayed for her, and she came down this morning uh, during one of the songs, and just to say hello, and she said, I just want to tell you that last week, my husband got a job. I mean, we just prayed about it, and God answered. Now, their answers don't always come that quick, but when you pray, what are you doing? You're putting yourself in touch with heaven. You're asking God to get involved with your situation, and so miracles can take place in our lives. Well, let's just stop right there for today and think about what we've been uh, listening to. Prayer shows our dependence on God. In other words, when you go to God in prayer for a situation, for yourself, for a family member, for a friend, for, for the country, for your church, you are saying to God, God, I have a situation here or there is a situation here that I can't fix. I can't solve it, and I need you to help me. I need you to get involved, and I'm petitioning you and pleading with you and begging for you to help me. At this time. And so it shows our dependence on God. And then it also puts us in position to receive uh, a miracle from God, to, perceive, to receive divine intervention and help from God. Now, everybody wants a miracle. I mean, I think when we pray, many times we pray, God, we need a miracle here, a miracle there. But the fact is, nobody wants to be in need of a miracle. I've never met anybody who said, I want my situation to get so hopeless and so difficult and so bad that in order for me to survive, I have to have a miracle from God, and yet Sometimes we get in those situations where we say, God, I need a miracle. There's not anything the doctor can do. There's not anything my family can do. There's not anything anybody can do. And God, if you don't come through for me, I'm sunk. And maybe today, as you're listening to this program, you're in that particular place. You're in a a situation where you need God to show up on your behalf and where you need a miracle in your life. And I would encourage you. To remember what Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. And certainly when Jesus said that, he was talking about the public house of worship. He was talking about the temple in Bible times. It would be the equivalent of our church today. And he's saying the church house should be characterized primarily by prayer. But keep in mind what else the Bible says. The Bible says that we're the temple of God. You are. I am. The Holy Spirit is living in us, and so just like our churches should be characterized by prayer, our individual lives should be characterized by prayer as well, and so I have to ask you today as I think about my own life, how important is prayer to you? Someone has said that prayer is where the power is, and I think that is so very true. When we pray, we are talking to the God of the universe, the God who made everything out of nothing, the God who brought Jesus back from death to life. We're, we're talking to the one who divided the Red Sea so the children of Israel could go through on dry ground, who did the same thing years later to the Jordan River. He just stopped the flow of that body of water so that the Israelites could cross over into the promised land. And so God has all power. God can heal every sickness. God can uh, solve every problem. God can do anything. And so when we pray, we are asking God to get involved in our situation and to do for us what only he can do. Prayer is where the power is. And so I'm asking you today, how important is prayer in your life? How serious are you about prayer? And if you're facing something today that that is just a hopeless situation, have you prayed about it? Are you praying about it? Are you showing your dependence on God and asking for His divine intervention in your life? And I just encourage you to do that. I encourage you, if you have never set aside a season for Prayer that you may want to just block out a set amount of time each day to pray for this situation in your life, and to just ask God to come through for you. I can think of times in my life when I've been through difficulties in certain situations, and and uh, God has just placed on my heart to draw aside and spend a little bit of extra time in prayer. And anytime I've ever done that, God has always honored that. God honors prayer because prayer honors God. And our lives should be characterized by prayer. And so I would encourage you to pray and to believe and to trust God. Now, not all of our prayers are answered immediately. They're really not. Uh, sometimes we pray about something and it's it's weeks later months later maybe years later before that prayer is answered so we have to be patient in prayer and remember that god's timing is always best our, you know we pray and we look at our situation we want our answers right now but remember this with god timing is more important than time time doesn't mean anything to god god lives outside the realm of time god's interested in timing and sometimes god is more interested in doing a work in our hearts, deepening our faith, purifying our character, helping us to grow and become the people that we should be. He's more interested in that than he is in you know, healing a particular illness or solving a particular problem or giving us a better job or meeting some financial need. God will t- tend to all those things at the right time and in the right way. But sometimes God is more interested in what's happening in us than he is with what's happening around us in our situations. And so we have to be patient in prayer. And we also have to remember that sometimes we're praying for something, and just for whatever reason, it may not be God's will that he answer the prayer the way we're praying it. God may have something better in mind. I think about the Apostle Paul. He had that thorn in the flesh, and on three separate occasions, he prayed that God would remove that thorn, and after he prayed that for the third time, Jesus spoke to him, and he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so in Paul's case, God revealed to him that he was not going to remove that thorn. He was not going to solve that problem. But he said, my grace is sufficient. And so Paul, he didn't pray about that the fourth time or the fifth time or the sixth time. He stopped praying about it because God had made clear to him that uh that prayer was not going to be answered exactly how Paul was praying it. I would encourage you, if you're praying for healing, physical healing, I would encourage you pray for that until either God heals you or until God impresses upon your heart that he, for whatever reason, is not going to change that situation in this life, or at least he's not going to change it right now. And uh, so you just don't keep praying for something that God's told you he's going to give you extra grace instead of what you're praying for. So sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer exactly like we would pray it. But I would say this, if you, especially if you're praying for physical healing, unless God has supernaturally by his Spirit revealed to you that he is not going to heal your body or heal your loved one, unless he has spoken to you similar to the way he spoke to Paul, I would encourage you, you keep praying for that healing. You keep trusting God. You keep believing, asking for a miracle, believing for a miracle, anticipating a miracle, waking up each day praying for a miracle. God is still the God who heals, and God is still the God of miracles. That has not stopped. God has not changed. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So unless God tells you to stop praying for a miracle, you keep praying for that miracle, and we'll just believe together that at the right time and in the right way— God's going to come through for you, and God's going to meet your need uh, in the best imaginable way. Now, certainly when we think about the importance of prayer, prayer is how we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You have to pray in order to be saved. Jesus said uh, that if we would come to him, he would receive us. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, as we think about prayer and the importance of prayer, let me ask you today, has there ever been a time in your life when you prayed and asked God to save you? You asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and make you a Christian, and if you've never done that, would you just pray this prayer right now and just say, Lord Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sins, to come live in my heart and make me a Christian. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for everything I've done wrong. And Lord, I ask you now to come into my heart and make me a Christian. Lord, I receive you by faith, and I trust you to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Friend, if you have prayed that prayer, God has heard you. God has answered your prayer. Today has become the day of your salvation, and Jesus has promised that he will never, ever leave you. And I want to just say to you today, congratulations. You've prayed the most important prayer that you could ever pray in all of your life and it's one prayer that is guaranteed to be answered every single time a person prays it again the bible says all who call upon the name of the lord shall be saved i want to thank you today for joining us on peace by believing and i want to encourage you you could do us a favor if you would pray for our ministry we started our ministry with the hope of taking the gospel beyond the walls of our church here in pasadena And God has uh, been pleased to open doors for us to come into the city where you are now and to share Christ with you and hopefully give you encouragement each week and to give you hope but more than anything else we would treasure your prayers for us I just ask you to pray that God would bless our ministry that he would protect us from the outside and the inside that he would open doors that he would uh, supply the resources that we need to take the gospel to as many people as we possibly can and we would absolutely treasure your prayers if you have a prayer notebook or a journal or some kind of a prayer diary I would ask you, just write down Peace by Believing under your prayer list. And just each day or whenever you pray, just pray that God would bless this ministry and that God's hands of anointing would be on what we're trying to do here. And we would treasure those prayers. Also, we would invite you, and I do today, to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org, peacebybelieving.org. You're going to find some uh, sermons that are archived, lots of sermons. They're nice podcasts, 25 minutes each approximately. And also, there's a tab on there that you can click called Spiritual Growth. And there are lots of booklets that we have prepared through the years on lots of different topics. And they're short booklets. You can read them right there on your computer or on your phone. They We have booklets on forgiveness, on riding out the storms of life, on loneliness. Sometimes we all feel lonely, and I've written a book called Never Alone. I've written a booklet called What Happens at the Moment of Death. I've written a booklet on the Lord's Prayer, The Problem with Procrastination, The Lord is My Shepherd from the 23rd Psalm. We have lots of different resources that I think would be a blessing to you, and I would encourage you to visit our website and share it with a friend, and, and, uh, and then I would encourage you to contact us. There's a place on our website where you can contact us. Tell us where you're listening from. Tell us any prayer requests you may have so that we can pray for you. And uh, just share with us anything that might be on your heart. But I want to thank you for joining us today. I encourage you. Think about what we've talked about today. And let's make our lives lives of prayer because prayer is where the power is.